Welcome to TNT with Teresa Quinlan and Reese Thomas. We are friends from across the pond on a life evolution. We want to bring you topics that challenge your status quo, guests that help you think differently, and nuggets of wisdom that spark being. Being what? You. Authentic you. Okay, welcome again to another episode of Tea at Tea. Teresa and Thomas sitting down, chewing over an important topic, subject, experience that one of us has shared, learned, uh, read about during these last few weeks. We always have a good conversation beforehand, what should we do? And it seemed like there was a familiar theme that was threading its way through, and we like to try and weave those together. So we're kind of calling this the importance of meeting self-judgment with self-compassion. We often talk about how judgment of others is a really important thing to notice and then to let go of and progress through. And I'm sure it's very important in the different realms within the emotional intelligence work, but then also turning that lens on ourselves and realize that as much as we're judgmental of other people, consciously we're self-judgmental unconsciously and how that impacts us. We can respond to that with denial or fear or um, anger or just complete non-acceptance. But really, if we just give ourselves space with the self-compassion to name it, notice it, move through it, allow it to grow, and then see that any kind of negative long-term connotations of that, which is usually where a lot of the guilt and the shame things originate, we project into the future and think, I can't be like this because it'll have this negative impact on me or someone else. If we can just allow that in a kind of virtual space to to happen and unfold in our in the visualization and see that really all those negative things that we're kind of pinning onto it and then therefore onto ourselves is not really fixed and and there are many different opportunities and outcomes that can come from that and i think that that's where that self-compassion comes meeting it all with compassion and allowing it to be and and work through that and let go of it and then that is the aim of, of the of the process the idea of self-judgment being healed by self-compassion. Mm, I love that. That's that's a really beautiful sentiment right there. The awareness piece, the noticing piece that we're in it is so critical to then being able to, you know, draw on that self-compassion tool and use it when you need to use it. My husband and I had this conversation over dinner so in our postmortem analysis, we really discovered that, oh, this is where I went left. That's where you went right. This is where I didn't say what I was feeling. I was aware of it, but I didn't articulate it. And so I, tr- I tried to navigate through it solely without bringing it visible to the other person and how, how we can even 20 minutes later look back on something and go, oh, that totally would have been way more helpful. But 20 minutes later, we're already out of the emotional disruption. So, you know, 20 minutes later saying that would have been helpful when you're already calm is like, who knows if it actually would have been in the moment. So, you know, an innocent question or an innocent statement can kick off this spiral that certainly was not intended. And the amount of post-analysis reflection, it's really easy to start judging ourselves and why didn't I? Why didn't I do this? Why didn't I do that? It makes so much sense that I should have done this or should have done that in the moment, either saying it to ourselves or someone else saying it to us as well. And that level of being able to say, in the moment I didn't, 
why, what was going on for me? How was I looking at it? How did I see it? And leaving that space, as you mentioned, to simply let that thinking and thoughts of ourselves evolve into whatever it happens to be without then layering another level of judgment on ourselves when it happens for the opportunity of learning and growing. Because of course, everything that we want to change has to be faced. I mean, we can't change anything that we're not willing to face or take a look at, but we can't look at it with judgment. It's not going to change that way. We have to look at it with compassion to allow it to change. Mm. And then also, if we do fall into that familiar pattern of that self-judgment, then don't make it even worse by judging that. Why am I being judgmental? I'm doing it again. And then he kind of spirals and (laughs) snowballs into this uh, unhelpful litany of of self-criticism. But in this practice that I'm learning at the moment around guided meditation thing, which I'm going to be using with with clients, which also probably links to your emotional self-awareness as being, you know, a really important key to what are you doing? You name it, you notice it. Where is it showing up in the body? What part of it? What does it feel like? Is it hot? Is it cold? Is it hard? Is it soft? Is there a vibration? Is it kind of pulsing? And the more you kind of focus into it, the more um, it's not just like, oh, I'm angry. It's like, well, okay, let's let's dive deeper into it and get as, as close as we can to the very epicenter of it. And then it kind of goes beyond that to a visualization. Well, can you give an example of this in, in, your, in your history? And if you can't think of one, you just kind of think of a, an age and then you kind of associate yourself back to that time. And then you work through the same process again and maybe you found it, but maybe there's still more. So then you can go on again. And once you've kind of taken those first few steps as you lose that uncertainty about what it is you're doing and you get a bit more comfortable and you've already gone through a few layers of trust building and safe space creating. And that the idea being that you can then go further back and further back until this original feeling appears you can do other practices and and go to that space and maybe asking for a, a sign or a symbol or, or a gift or something like that and, and being able to talk to to the coach about it and then they can kind of continue to walk you through that and then when you sort of come back from this kind of guided meditation you can then attach things to the gift or the idea that you've, you've uncovered and through that get closer even more to what it is that's really causing that self-judgment and then being able to do that with a um a compassionate nature it's okay to feel anything it's okay to think anything as long as you can notice it for what it is and not be attached to it and saying this is me i'm a bad person or i did this thing so this Mm -hmm. makes me be this way actually that was just a momentary thing and it was something that maybe you were told by someone else was like you're a bad person or you've, you've done something and so it just gets reinforced and reinforced and through this process of going back and understanding how and why and where and, and feeling and, and and noticing and then the sensation and getting closer and closer to that memory and then once you're in that memory you can then start to expunge that memory and, and release that kind of thing which may have been a an energetic block or something that you've been experiencing for years without you know consciously being aware of it and 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 that obviously plays out in your behaviors and your actions and and your values and, and everything and then just being able to go through this very deep process from a very safe simple way it's like first you go simple and then it gets more complex and once you've done the simple bit the complex thing becomes simpler if that makes sense I hope that isn't too much of a tangent from what we're talking about, but it felt like it was something that was important and worthwhile for people to consider uh, in that self-judgment piece and being able to meet everything with, with a more compassionate 
hop. I think it was just lovely, especially your prompt around being cautious of taking our own opinion as the truth, like the end all be all is what I'm thinking right now. And certainly I have experienced this as well. Sometimes we're in times in our lives when it feels like, or we believe what we're in is just going to last forever. This is how it's going to be forever. The depth of what we're experiencing is so overwhelming in its nature it's difficult to see the way out i think what you're really referencing in those moments is knowing that that's an echo of something from much earlier in our life that's reappearing in this moment as a reminder and being able to get to the primitive or the primary or the uh, the original agony the original disruption is necessary to then heal all of these echoes that keep showing up I believe that our traumas, just like you say, show up in our body. In fact, our mind will use our body as a means to say something here is what you need to be paying attention to and you're not paying attention to it. And our mind is perhaps even willing to sacrifice the health of our body in order to get us to pay attention. So whether we have chronic fatigue or chronic back problems or acne on our skin or irritable bowel syndrome or, or, or that's our bodies, the psychology of our brain using our body to alert ourselves to something that's really, really important. So the practice of noticing what am I paying attention to under the guidance of a coach that can really help you to focus in using things like meditation and mindfulness to really get us to connect to our physical self is so key to being able to scratch, dig, claw, melt through the layers that are often in front of the original event and how that original event changed us. And so how we're trying to reconcile the change to return to before. And that is such a lovely, I think, picture to paint in the likelihood that we pressurize ourselves to get there at a certain amount of time, the likelihood that we judge ourselves and going, why didn't I see this sooner? The likelihood that we beat ourselves up about how difficult it is. We're not getting it right. We're not achieving the next steps in the time frame that the coach had laid out like all of that kind of pressure to put on ourselves to discover it and to work through it absolutely where that other side of the coin and judgment comes up to be compassionate in the process because that's ultimately how we will get to whatever the original agony is and then heal that exactly yeah i mean it's great to have a take a superficial look at it and this is my problem okay i can fix it for you like here's a medication here's a, a band-aid cure it might give you some initial relief but it's going to show up again and like we say, you know, it might be a pebble in your shoe one time and the next minute it might be a, uh, a rock to the face or whatever your, your favorite vernacular is that you use to describe that boulder to the head. Or <laughs> it was interesting that you said that the mind tells the body to take notice of something. Whereas for me, I would think that the mind has been so prioritized that it doesn't acknowledge something that's happening in the body. It, it's only a mental thing. And if there's something happening, well, I can fix that when really what I've been learning, and I'm sure goes back to your studying, um, was these things in the body that are actually showing up. And I guess because you've done that, maybe you can make that connection. But for me, who 
it doesn't have that kind of studying example of kinesiology that this idea that actually my body is showing me these things and I'm just not perceiving it or not noticing it is more about my mind denying that there there isn't anything that my mind can't solve or the, the answers are, are all mental or there's, there's an intellectual mind which can overcome everything whereas mm-hmm. it seems more the work that I do with the indigenous cultures and wisdoms and teachings of those sort of things are it goes back to that body it goes back to that spirit it goes back to the nature and all these kind of things are the the obvious natural most effective most impactful resolutions to the things that have been denigrated by you know superstition or these kind of things you know intuition and listening to that kind of voice this noticing in your body is is connected to the idea of developing that intuitive mind this intuitive heart or, or guts you know that that gut feeling we can say it's a release of this being in the driving seat and a, an alignment of all three, which begins with an acknowledgement and then a noticing of the other two and dialing them up to a to the same level rather than just this, this being on 10 and controlling everything, trying to bring them all into a balance and harmonize that to give that coherence that allows for better inquiry into what is really the cause of it. My mind will tell me that, oh, there's something wrong with my foot or something and I'll seek medical advice because that's a mental thing as well and, and use mm-hmm. that to find the the answer whereas there'll be a totally different holistic approach to it and a well-being approach to it which thankfully is now being more prioritized. The role of the gut, the role of instinct, gut instinct, gut feelings, the connection to that. Oftentimes any sort of traumatic experience will put that out of whack. And of course, our brain is involved, whether we have language around it or not, is I think something else to consider. I believe in psychotherapy. If your trauma occurs before you have language to describe it, then the most powerful method of talk therapy is not accessible to you. So the only kind of therapy that becomes accessible is the body therapy and the connection to the gut and the intuition which is a means or an avenue of coming at the trauma as well until we can resolve and heal it. So I wonder too, if in this instance, what you're, what you're putting on the table for us is being able to look at when, like the age of which that trauma can occur and how the body is then influenced by that, how the gut is then influenced by that, how the mind is then influenced by that, and how all three can be influenced by it so when we're in a space of self-judgment are we thinking it and thinking it alone are we feeling it and also thinking uh, thinking it and do we have our gut instinct around it plus we're feeling it plus we're thinking about it and so how deep does that self-judgment actually go do we get a lot of signals around it or are we getting really dim signals around it? So the power of our noticing muscles, our awareness muscles is so important on all of those fronts that you're setting the table so nicely for us to be able to look at and being able to have compassion around all three elements, compassion around the thinking that we do and going, yeah, that's not really the true story that I'm telling. It's a story, it's a version, and that might not be all of it. It might only be what I'm capable of thinking about right now. And then the in tune with our body and the awareness around where am I feeling that physically? 
So I'm, I'm, I think people can relate to this quite a bit when they think about maybe perhaps emotions that really they're reactive in like, oh yeah, when I'm angry, I, I definitely know what that feels like in my body because when it happens, it consumes me. And so they can describe the physical nature of their anger, but can they describe the gut nature of their anger? The intuitive, like mm, something's coming and is that intuition finely tuned or is it a recognition of danger when there isn't actually danger? And that I think is one of the most challenging things around trauma is that it shifts the way that we see things. It shifts the way that we experience things all with a point to be able to acknowledge it and be able to encourage us to find the compassion to take a look at it because it's going to be difficult to look at. It's going to be difficult to deal with, which might be a signal that or one more reason that it's worth it. Like, this is difficult. This is painful. That's one more reason why you need to look at it. That's the space you need to go into. Doing it with the coach sometimes makes it a whole heck of a lot easier because you have someone else there to remind you this isn't going to kill you. Yeah. Again, it's about having those three different things dialed up because a lot of the things that we do is still just directed from up here. Like you said, um, it's difficult. I'm like, well, the whole concept of difficult is surely a mental thing. It, it, there's nothing in your heart that's really going to go, oh, this is difficult, nothing in your body that's going to go, well, maybe maybe lifting a heavy weight might be difficult. But um, <clears throat> but no, that's just your brain, right? It's just your mind telling you you can't do it. But um, <laughs> Maybe. Uh, I don't know. How often do I say this feels difficult? I don't know how often I've said this, this thinks difficult. <laughs> Unless maybe I was, you know, helping my son with his, Mathematics. New, new math. Oh, Jesus. When that came around, I just thought, holy smokes, who came up with this? <laughs> this thing's difficult. This hurts my brain. A trauma thing, when when it happens, there's a snapshot. There's something that happens, you record it, and you record it in your mind, in your memory, and that's mm. the thing that you access most frequently and most often, and so therefore become most associated with. But it also has uh, an emotional or a, an energetic um, impact to you and it also has an impact in in your body as well but those are things that most people mm. wouldn't even be aware of or wouldn't acknowledge or would be only faintly aware of and it's this idea of redressing the balance between this being mm -hmm. all about and being able to like we said in this example through the guided meditation it's not about thinking at all it's about moving from that headspace that's the joy of doing it through meditation rather than doing it um, in a, just a conversation because in a conversation they're more likely to have this being in control whereas in a meditative state the whole point is to take that hand off the driving wheel and, and allow yourself to reconnect with some of these things which are always there but you don't necessarily conscious of but through doing these practices you can bring it all into balance so that when you need your mind to be in charge fine but when you need you know your heart to be in charge fine or when you need the body to, to guide you and the intuition. Um, so I think that's really important. And I think that that judgment thing comes from up here, whereas the compassion mm -hmm. thing comes from here. And we said they're two sides of the same coin, but maybe there's two sides of our own personality or psyche and that we need to acknowledge both of them, see the merit of both of them and not be too tunnel vision and say, this is, this is the answer. This is what I'm doing. And like you said before, be able to step back and, and zoom out and see the different perspectives and being able to now look back at it and go, oh, well, this is easy and this is what we should have done. And I can hear this. And now I see that and now I can feel it and hold it. And 
only when we have all of those things in in total harmony can we hope to achieve that in in that present moment and be equanimous enough to to allow that to to be and how how interesting a dynamic that the practice of meditation is the one that really helps us to align and the practice of the meditation is when a lot of people can get really stuck in judgment <laughs> i'm not doing this well i'm not good at this why is meditation so hard so the mm -hmm. act of meditation itself is one in which we really have to watch our self-judgment and allow that compassion of i'm practicing and let me just let it be as it is. Let my mind do its mind thing and stop trying to control it and think on it so much and just let it be as it is. Allow it to relax, allow it to feed it some of that compassionate energy and that, that vibration to really help it to know it's okay. It's gonna be okay. I just love that maybe dichotomy around it's meditation that will help you to really curb your judgment and amplify your compassion in the practice itself. <laughs> so shall we thank everybody so much for tuning in for another episode of Tea at Tea. We so appreciate that you tune in each week. You know what we also love? We love when you subscribe so you get the episodes straight away. We also love when you write a review and let us know what you're enjoying about the episodes. Your color commentary really helps to extend the conversation. So thanks once again for being part of TNT. Thanks for listening to this episode of TNT. Please share, subscribe, rate, and review. And when you're ready for your personal evolution, check out Reese at trueselfcoaching.com. And for your emotional intelligence revolution, check out Teresa at iqeqtq.com.